Testing, 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 doing something. We can skip that part. Um, <laughs> I'm taking the position that all documents relative to this or this meeting this evening have been received prior to 72 hours and are part of the process. For those that are attending here in person, I'd appreciate it if you silence your cell phones. Uh, for those that are on Zoom, do we have anybody, Alan, that you can tell? There is one person. Okay, for those that are in Zoom, uh, we'd appreciate it if uh, you put yourself on mute, except when you want to speak. Uh, in terms of speaking, there's a, usually a hand function at the bottom of your screen. Push that. We'll figure that out. If not, interrupt us and we'll kind of go from there. So with that in mind, I'd like to call to order the joint special hearing of the Route County Planning Commission and the Board of County Commissioners. We don't have a recording secretary, so what I'd like to do is maybe start with Mr. Harrington. Everybody introduces himself and their position, and, uh, and we'll just kind of go around the table. Great. Uh, Jay Harrington, County Manager. Michael Fitz, Planning Staff. Rick Yeager, Planning Commission for City of Steamboat. Andy Benjamin, Planning Commission member, uh, Town of Oak Creek. Tim Corrigan, Route County Commissioner. Pete Wood, Planning Commissioner, alternate. Uh, Brian Kelly, Planning Commissioner, West Route. Steve Warnke, Planning Commissioner. Tim Redmond, Route County Commissioner. Linda Miller, Route County Planning Commission, member at large. Alan Goldich, uh, Planning Staff. Christy Windsor, Planning Director. Jessica Garrow, Design Workshop. Riley Timmons, Design Workshop. Very good. Uh, for the record, we have a quorum. So moving forward, uh, public comment, if there's anyone who wishes to address the commissioners on anything that is not on the agenda this I'm sorry, that is not on the agenda this evening, now would be the time to do so. Seeing and hearing none, we'll move on to the next item for consideration. Review and consideration to adopt module one of the county's new unified development code, paren, UDC. Christy, we're going to start with you just as an introduction and then hand it over to, that's what I thought. So. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> so thank you everybody for being here tonight. As you mentioned, we're here to discuss and provide an overview of the changes from when we last met at a joint session to discuss module one. Um, to keep this moving along, we have present uh, uh, provided you all a presentation. You also have a staff packet that has a couple of documents in there, which I'm sure you all, all have read and enjoyed thoroughly, um, which includes um, two sections, intro, the intro section, and for the, um, the agency section, and then the big um, section that has to do with our utility scale solar. Um, so we're going to highlight what all those changes um, that we have included in the draft that you received. In your packet, you received clean versions of all three, um, but we also included a redline version of the, uh, the solar section, so you can see where we made those changes from the last time we all met. Um, so to keep us moving along, I'm going to put it over to Jessica, who's going to walk us through all of those changes. And before you get started, how do... Do we want to entertain questions as we go through it? Which I would think would be appropriate. 
Um, we were going to um, pause between each section Fine. for questions. Does that work? Okay. Yeah, I just didn't want to see us go through all seven items and then come up with questions. That works, everybody? Yep. Yes. Perfect. Perfect. Okay. So, great. Jessica, it's all you. Thank you so much. Um, we are excited to be with you tonight. We're going to cover a little bit of uh, process background, and then we'll go through the module one uh, updates, introduction agencies, we'll pause for questions, and then we'll go through the solar energy section, pause for questions. We have the suggested motions that are in the, um, the staff memo that we'll be able to pull up. And then Riley is gonna cover uh, some of the introduction to module two and what we've heard um, through our meetings uh, yesterday and, and today. So really quickly background, um, we at this point um, have finished phase one, um, phase two, and we're really in phase three and four tonight. So three is that development of um, code language and phase four is the adoption process. So you can see here, we are still targeting for finalization of the entire land use code end of 2023 into January of 2024. Um, we are working through module two right now uh, with staff and we'll be coming back uh, to you all at a later date uh, to review that. And then we'll be moving into module three, which will really kind of pull everything together. Process-wise, we're moving these three sections we'll talk about tonight, introduction, agency, and solar as part of module one so that you can have those changes immediately available. Um, and then we will do one, uh, one final adoption where we'll make any edits that we might need to solar introduction agency just to make sure that all the linkages um, work, all the references are, are correct, um, and it'll adopt the rest of the code. So with that, I'm going to dive straight into the introduction and agencies section. So we covered this in the work session that we had with you a few weeks ago. Um, the introduction to the code uh, redefines the regulations as the unified development code. So anticipating the bringing together of zoning and subdivision. Um, we have uh, master plan linkages and very specific applicability. There's been no changes to the code language that's in your packet. However, I wanna highlight under the purpose section, there was a comment um, from the public as part of this process, and they have proposed um, the addition of some language related to recreation as part of the purpose statement of the code. So that would be a suggested addition that would read, provide public spaces for recreation in order to maintain recreational opportunities and quality of life for the citizens of Route County. So that would just be incorporated as part of a purpose statement if the group agrees. Um, and I just wanna just make one point, that language as written is in our existing master plan. So the recommendation was to pull that from the master plan directly into the regulations. Mm. So will that become prescriptive as we consider sub, uh, new subdivisions um, and other special use permits? Because I mean, it's one thing if it's in the master plan, it's aspirational. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Now, it's, is it something that is going to become a requirement? I mean, it's something we're definitely going to want to consider as we move forward, not really in this section that we're talking about tonight. Right. right. Um, this is kind of teeing that up, if you will, but 
um, as we're talking about land use um, that and subdivisions and public benefit, we're gonna be talking about public spaces for recreation. And, and I'll maybe add that some of the other purpose statements that are in the, in the document um, already and in your current code are ensure buildings have adequate access to um, light and air, encourage a broad range of housing opportunities. So these are kind of broad statements that are identifying what is the purpose of adopting the unified development code. Um, and so these are not specific criteria, but as Christy said, we will likely have criteria related to all of these as we move forward into things like special use permits, PUDs, and subdivision. Fee and Lou. That'll be a whole nother discussion okay. for another day. I'm just saying it's a departure. What we've done in the past, it's new. The, if the it language? If it becomes prescriptive in permits. I mean, there's always a consideration for open space. And so that is not saying that, um, it's not describing the detail of it. It's literally taken from the master plan and something uh, is telling us we need to consider this. So this section is just pointing out some of the um, important policies that are in the existing master plan that we will need to consider in later modules as we move forward. Okay. Okay. Um, agencies has not changed since we last uh, met with you. So this has purpose statements and then we're identifying the specific um, roles for planning director, board of county commissioners, planning commission, board of adjustment and the historic preservation board. Um, and so those are the same. We're also identifying a code enforcement officer um, as we discussed in our last meeting. So with that, before we dive into solar, I'm gonna pause and see if there's any questions. We can also pull up the code language if it's um, helpful and, and you wanna see any of the specific language that's in your packet. Any questions? I don't know if this is appropriate, but I'm gonna do it anyway. Um, might there be comment from the public on this section? And if so, now would be the time to say so. Okay, seeing here and none, we'll move on. <clears throat> uh, so next to the main section uh, for the evening, the solar energy section. So, um, we wanted to highlight some of the key areas that have, um, have changed. Predominantly, this chapter is very similar to what um, you reviewed in our last meeting together. Um, as you recall, we're defining three different scales of solar energy. The first is small-scale solar energy systems. These are really kind of residential systems that are available for private use. We talked a lot in our last meeting about what is the process for the location of some of these systems when they are ground mounted? Um, and so there is an adjustment in, in the language from the last time you saw it, again, in your packet already, um, that says ground mountain, mounted systems um, are able to go to the property line setback from the zone district or 15 feet, whichever is less. So if there's a zone district with a setback, excuse me, of 50 feet, they could actually go to 15 because that is what, it's the lesser of that setback and, and 15 feet. 
Um, so that, that was a conversation last time and we've incorporated that. If someone wanted to go closer to the, to the lot line, then they would go through a regular BOA variance process. So the, the other two, the larger scale systems. Oh, yeah. Confused about the wording up to 15 feet. I almost feel like it should say down to 15 feet. It's a little confusing, don't you think? It, it could be. Um, the, the specific. I mean, if you read that literally, you would say you could go to the property line or, or, or up to. And, but, and so we, we've, we've summarized. Yeah. Within 15. Well, so we've, we've, we've summarized it here. The specific language in the code says that it's subject to the following setbacks, property line setbacks of the underlying zone district or 15 feet, whichever is less, which I think is very, is clearer. Then it's probably been more appropriate then. Um, but like roof line, uh, solar energy and stuff like that, and them having to slide off roofs, is that in any kind of consideration as well? Um, instead of just having it only be ground mounted, maybe also buildings as well, because I know some setbacks, I'm thinking like SEMO2 and different things like that, where they're close. Um, that or just no snow trespass can kind of come on to another neighboring property. I know in uh, different areas in Steamboat being a code officer that they've had big impacts on people's, um, you know, fences and different uh, uh, things of that nature that I've already heard from our code adoptions. So the, the small scale solar uh, energy systems are allowed to be roof mounted or ground mounted. Um, similar to the review process today, it's it's pretty um, pretty limited, right? It, it, this is allowed by right. It's reviewed as part of the building permit process to try to encourage the use of these types of systems. So there's, there's not a, a specific requirement related to setbacks from buildings. Yeah. So the, the general uh, structure setback would hopefully take care of that because uh, the smallest property line setback we have is 10 feet. I mean, Heritage Park, I think it's like seven and a half, but typically it's 10 feet. And I think that's mm -hmm. enough room to allow for sliding snow. Okay. Yeah, I wasn't aware of it. So that makes me feel a lot less uh, apprehensive of it with, you know, I was just thinking Steamboat too and didn't know how tight that was. So 10 feet is pretty appropriate. Thanks. Um, so the other two scales, first is community scale solar. Um, that Those are energy systems that are up to 20 acres in size. And then utility uh, scale systems are 20 acres or more. Um, both have um, retail or wholesale energy. Um, and so that 20 acres is an industry standard. We've had a lot of conversation with our working group about it. And so um, rather than... Um, have the difference be based off of the amount of energy that is generated. It's a size um, definition. Is it worded that way? Minimum 20, uh, minimum and maximum? Because with that overlap, 20 acres would fall into both categories. Right now it is up to, the, the community is up to 20 acres and utility is a minimum of, of 20 acres. 
So, so there is potentially somebody could exactly 20 acres could be, I'm exactly 20 acres and I'm not, I'm not utility. I'm community trying to sneak something under again. It's, it's a, such a small detail, but I'm a pain in the ass and I bet other people would be a pain in the ass too. So, <laughs> well, wouldn't we define that when it's in front of us or well, you would do that already? Yeah. yeah when they, when they came in, for their meeting with us yeah. would be required, we would be able to make that determination. It's just a point. And yeah, so it, it, that would be determined as, as part of that, that review process. It is, it would not be typical to have it say 19.998. That's not typical in the industry. It is typically from the code language that we've reviewed and, and our experiences that it you just, you say 20 and there's a, if it's exactly 20 acres, there's a conversation. We we allow on the judgment of the planning director. Right. Cool. Um, so uh, kind of covered this uh, a little bit on small scale. So small scale is a buy right in all zone districts. They do want to modify those setbacks beyond what is allowed um, within the code, then that would be a BOA variance. But otherwise, it's an administrative process through building permit. For community-scale solar, it is a conditional use review with the Planning Commission, and utility-scale has a special use uh, permit review with Planning Commission and Board of County Commissioners. That is the same as when we when we last met. And Christy, I think we talked about this last meeting. <clears throat> Even though it's administrative rule review, if you were getting inundated with letters and or notes from the public, you can unwind that and make it public. You mean, you mean uh, uh, the process? Pump it up. Yeah. <clears throat> um, we have that ability now. Yes. In the process. Yeah. And I believe we do as well. We can ask for something to be moved up as well. Can we not? Within our process? No, I wouldn't think so because you wouldn't know about it. Yeah. It would be made, um, that decision would be made when they um, actually came in to meet with us for a pre submission meeting. Um, and before they formally submit. Are you talking about process? the appeal process? No, no. I was just talking about how like sometimes, like what you're saying, Brian, it would happen under the consent agenda almost, right? Like you'd have to have it. Yeah, if you wanted to pull something off the consent agenda. But that wouldn't that necessarily show up on a consent agenda. But that's not the same as this. Yeah, no. Only yeah. you have that ability because you're the one who is seeing it at that preliminary. Yeah, exactly. Like it would be one of us hearing about it from a community member and then coming and asking you. Right. Okay. All right, so the code includes um, system definitions. So we've defined um, the terms that we've just discussed as well as some technical uh, definitions. Based off of the comments um, from this group, we have also added new definitions for wildlife corridor and connectivity because that is something that's referenced throughout the regulations, as well as solar microgrid. That was a comment that was made particularly related to grant opportunities where that term is used. And so we wanted to make sure that that was covered within the, the regulations. So there are a number of uh, different review um, and uh, application requirements um, for the community and utility scale solar. 
Um, many of these were part of what we reviewed this last time. So talking about setbacks, site access and design, engineering, height limits, things like that. We have added a requirement for an emergency response plan, which we'll get into more detail in a few slides. Um, we've also made some adjustments to the collective lots requirement and the workforce housing plan based on our last conversation. We'll get into those in some new additional slides. There's some environment specific requirements um, and then sensory impacts. And so screening is an area that based off of some feedback that we got through the public um, review process, um, we wanted to make some changes about. And so we'll cover those in, in the next slides. Um, similarly, we have a section related to the decommissioning and reclamation of the land. Um, and we have some comments um, from the industry related to that, which we'll cover in, in a few slides. We have made some adjustments um, to, that, to that language. And then there's a economic and community benefit analysis. We talked about that um, in our last um, meeting about what that should incorporate. And so that's an, a new section that has been added to the draft um, up for consideration. So in terms of the updates to that site planning section, um, you might recall the last version required specific coordination with YVEA. That's been generalized to just say that there needs to be coordination with the electric utility so that it's a little bit more open there in that, in that requirement. Um, we also added um, some additional language related to collective lots. So if you recall, um, in a case where someone is um, using multiple parcels for their utility scale solar, they might need to cross a property line. And we didn't want the property line or an easement to um, be an issue for them to have kind of the most successful um, implementation of, of the solar grid. And so um, there's, there's language that's been updated to ensure that both easements and property lines are, are covered in, in this consideration. And there needs to be property owner agreement um, and a recorded uh, document. But the, the code specifically allows you to, to do that for the efficiency of the system. Um, we've also uh, just kind of updated and kind of clearly identified um, water body setbacks that those need to be met when you are doing community scale or utility scale solar. And that really just mitigates the potential for flooding um, on uh, and impacting the system. Um, we have had some discussion with staff and comments um, from the community about kind of dust being one of the most impactful pieces of construction. And so we have added some requirements related to a dust mitigation plan as part of that construction process. Um, and so that has been um, added. And then prioritizing um, gravel or chemical stabilization over water. And that was something that we talked about with this group, thinking about, you know, we're in kind of a long-term drought. We wanna see uh, not necessarily using our water resources for dust mitigation when there are other options that might be available. Um, for workforce housing, um, we have just identified requirement for a housing plan and that needs to address how they are going to accommodate housing for the um, construction, as well as the transportation of those workers. Um, screening requirements, the last um, iteration required screening for basically everything, the, the solar panels, the battery storage, transformers, everything. Based off of, again, additional conversation, comments that we heard from the community, the screening of panels is not required, though it's encouraged, but the screening of um, the larger equipment, transformer stations, batteries is required. 
The reason for that is even if you have a fence right at the road and maybe you're blocking the immediate view of a solar panel, in utility scale, these are so large, you're still gonna see the, the background view. And so that's, that fence is actually maybe causing more of a visual disturbance than helping. And so that's why that, that change has been made. Um, and then, as I said, this emergency response plan has been added. Um, and that just requires people to identify in the case of a fire electrical issue, how is that um, gonna be um, dealt with um, by the, the solar operator. Um, we have updated again, based off of the conversation with this group the last time, um, the section related to agricultural lands. Um, and so instead of saying you have to preserve prime farmland, that was what the language said previously, we've now said it really focuses on that long-term ownership and the economic value of agricultural land so that someone maybe is renting their property for solar, that that's okay because that helps kind of keep that land within that, that family and, and continuing that multi-generational use. And so um, that change has been added based off of conversation here. Um, CPW had some specific uh, comments related to the wildlife surveys um, pre and post development. So that's been incorporated and um, we've just kind of consolidated some of the fencing information. I have a question without yeah. scrolling through. I was just wondering in the original draft, we had um, utility scale wildlife access requirements, <clears throat> but we didn't say that the um, com community scale needed to address wildlife access requirements, recognizing there's probably going to be a big difference in acreage. Should community though also be required to be looking at wildlife access? I mean, if they're at that 20 acre yeah. spot. And, and have they been, I know that was, is, I know where it was in the original because yeah. I had it as uh, page eight, paragraph 23, but. And um, the differentiation between utility and community scale in some of these has, has just been pulled out. So okay. it's, the process is different. There's a CUP versus an SUP. So con conditional use for the community right. scale, um, special use for utility scale, um, but the review criteria is the same. But the actual criteria <laughs> now are going to be consistent. Okay, yeah. thank you. Yep. Okay. Um, so we talked about the community benefit analysis. Um, so there's some new standards here where um, that needs to be provided and they need to identify their impacts related to economy, community, transportation, infrastructure, and recreation. And so that is um, a document that would be provided to planning commission and board of county commissioners. And you could use that as part of your review to understand, do you want to impose additional conditions? Is there additional information that you might need related to what their potential impacts might be? And so this is trying to, um, as we talked about in our, in our last meeting, really allow you to weigh those benefits and impacts of, um, of these uh, solar energy systems. Can, can you go, I hate to do this to you, can you go back to the ag land for a minute? Yeah. <clears throat> I think I have the answer to the question, but we're not treating a solar development as though it's conservation land or land trust. But what you are trying to do, because I think it's in the last sentence, the decommissioning plan shall incorporate. Yeah, okay, fine. I answered my own question. Yeah. 
yeah, the, the idea is that the, the, that decommissioning plan is really important to make right. sure that yeah. you can go back okay. and, and use that land. Okay. Um, any other maybe questions before I then dive into more detail on some of the specific changes that we've made? A question on the water body setback. Witnessing what I witnessed this spring, water body setback wouldn't have begin to pick up the flooding that I saw. You know, this is in the unnamed tributaries to Dry Creek outside of Hayden. It was unbelievable sight, hundreds of feet wide, feet deep, rushing water. One of my neighbors came up and said, is this a flash flood? And we couldn't get home. We literally could not get home. And Road and Bridge came down and looked at it and goes, we can't begin to help you till morning, you know, with what was going on. And so I'm wondering if we should be thinking more in terms of the hunt at minimum, the hundred year floodway or floodplain or the repairing setback, whichever is greater. And I don't know if we need to go to 500. I, I don't know what that event was we just had this spring, but it was unbelievable. And it but, was, but isn't that a water body setback issue? I mean, that, you're going to revise water, something that's what you raised. The water body is 50 setbacks is 50 feet typically so we what I saw was hundreds of feet wide so we plan on updating the water body setback that's right section yeah. of the regulations oh. that will be coming in a later module so when that gets updated those new standards are what's yeah. going to apply to all development solar you residential you wouldn't change it here yeah yeah, because the, these regulations reference that section of the regulations. Right. So, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm good. So I'm you're just ahead of the game, game, that's all. No, you're ahead of it. You're okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Acknowledge that that setback resolve the issue that you're not going to have a 300 foot water body setback or 400 foot. Yeah. So and that's kind of a rare event that, you know, you hope your FEMA rigs cover up to the 100 year but the 500 year that that was probably a 500 year event last time i talked with the the town of hayden on it and their mapping too just because i do some fema yeah. stuff letters of map amendment and all that anybody that thinks the fema maps are very accurate is severely, <laughs> severely delusional so and that yeah. sort of that's what i'm getting at. To, to add a little clarification too, water body setbacks are not the same as floodplain standards. Regulations have both. And so water body setback standards are more like a, a specific dimensional standard around a water course, whether it happens to be down in a cavern and it's never going to flood or if it's, you know, a very flat land. Um, they would still have to meet whatever water body setback standards we do choose to, you know, prioritize the riparian environment and visual impacts and everything on water bodies, but they also will have to meet floodplain standards for wherever that flood level is calculated to be in that area, so that there isn't, you know, an issue with electrical things being submerged that shouldn't be. If the science works, if, yeah, <laughs> I, I think we all would have been electrified. But I was, and, and if it's mapped, right? Because Dry Creek's not mapped. Yeah, yeah. No, I know. Huh? Well, in the lower downs, isn't it in the city? I, there's a it, it may be. I don't ever look at those maps. Yeah, no, it's massive in the town so. of Hayden, but, yeah. but yeah. not outside of the yeah. county. They're probably all declared zone X. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right. Yeah. The comments regarding water bodies are noted. Thank you. All right. Um, 
So I sort of went into this already, but the screening of equipment, not the panels, um, this is from, from your memo, but again, the screening of the solar panels is encouraged, but not required. We're really focusing on um, the equipment that has the larger visual impact. Um, we wanted to talk a little bit about the reclamation requirements. Um, there's a, a, some public comment that, that was in your packet. Um, and so we wanted to just kind of run through and, and describe the language um, as is so that you can consider that in your deliberations. So um, right now, uh, the code language requires a bond um, at the time of building permit um, that is equal to 150% of the cost of uh, construction. Um, industry groups provided comments that that time frame is um, problematic uh, from their perspective um, in terms of the amount of additional cost that that might um, provide and that, that's detailed in, in their letter. Um, what I would say is that the, um, the draft language that's in front of you, I'd say from a design workshop perspective, we are maybe agnostic about is this about solar or is it about some other type of development. We would always recommend that you are getting a bond to protect the county, the county residents against what happens when you start the construction. You haven't even gotten your CO, there's an economic decline and you need to go in and, and rehab the site or secure the site in some way. Um, and so this timing of bond at the time of building permit issuance is typical. It's something that, that we recommend when we are doing um, code work. Again, it's not specific to solar. We recommend that for really any, any type of development just to protect you. Um, and so that, that's the reasoning um, behind, behind that time frame. So you don't like their five years? before the end? I think it, it, it is a policy decision that uh, the uh, county commissioners and the planning commission can make, but we would not recommend that because if they are in the middle of construction and I think we saw this in, in the recession in 2008, things just stopped uh -huh. and th there were definitely issues you know, throughout the state, throughout the country. Um, related to development that just paused and, and you want that that security, I guess. So in the mining industry in this county, we post, we require the bond up front, do we not? Uh, so it's the state that requires the bond. Up front. Up front, yeah. And then is the bond typically 150 for most bonds and charities that we have, or is that is that standard or is that just with solar? And then, no, that's the, that's the current standard in the regulations. And in communities that we work in, it's typically anywhere from 125 to 150%. It just depends on kind of what that community is comfortable with. So, so full disclosure, I uh, ran into Mike Kruger from the Colorado Solar and Storage Association last week when we went out to Craig for the christening of the solar array out there. And he took that opportunity to lobby me on this exact subject. Um, and... Um, we didn't have a long time to talk about it, but he asserted that the risk to the county would be uh, if, if we waited until, I think he was suggesting when the solar array becomes operational, rather than at the beginning of construction, that the risk to the county was de minimis because of the value of the brand new product 
that would have been installed at that point in time. That that the that, that, uh, a that the likelihood that a solar installer would default in the middle of construction was de minimis, and that even if that happened, um, uh, there was this very clear value of the product that had been installed up to that point in time. And of course, and then of course, he claimed that it would be a disincentive to solar installers because of the cost for, uh, for carrying the value of that bond for what could be potentially a couple of years, say, of construction. So, uh, I mean, I'm open-minded about this. Uh, I think we absolutely should be protecting the interest of the county and making sure that we don't get caught holding the bag. On the other hand, I'd just like to hear uh, some response to those assertions from you guys in terms of what the actual risk is. And also, uh, do we believe that it is in fact that much of a disincentive and could we potentially be in a position of, for lack of a better phrase, losing out on a solar installation in Route County if they can somehow demonstrate that the cost of carrying that bond for a couple of years makes putting that installation in another yeah. locality more attractive. So I think it's worth, I'm glad you brought it up and flagged it for discussion. I think it's an important point. Commissioner, if I could have a follow-up. Mr. Kruger, when you spoke to him, did he take back your soul? No, board? but I'm just wondering <laughs> if this, say, the, pal the, the, the project goes belly up, what are our rights to these panels? What? What are rights? To the panel. Yeah, who owns them? Who owns right. them? Right. I mean, he says there's an asset sitting there. Can I have them? Yeah. <laughs> The other thing that I don't know, but I don't have in my head a, a, a feeling for the overall, let's say, cost to build a thousand acre solar farm or a commercial, let's just use utility. So what I'm trying to figure out is what is the bond relative at the 150% rec week? What is that relative to the overall cost of the project? 150%. No, no. It's the rec. No, no. The rec is 150%. That's the, the, not the value. My of the question is project. what is it relative to the value of the entire project? Yeah. Buying the solar panels, to use your example, and doing the site work and doing the this, that, and the transformers and the transition and the, all of that. You know, it's in my head, you might be looking at a 50 to $100 million project, and the bond is $2 million and million. I don't have a feel for that. And I think right. that has merit. It's well, it, I don't I, like being smoke bloom at me without the numbers. Yes. So I'm so always he does he did in the letter, it says, for example, assume a developer must post a $50 million bond at year zero. In simple math, a $50 million bond at 1.5% at rate zero versus year 15 is an additional 1125 million dollar unnecessary expense but that doesn't answer my question okay i didn't okay. 
Well, and a 50, I mean, he said 50, assume 50 million. A 50 million reclamation bond seems outrageous. I mean, 50 million reclamation project seems absolutely outrageous. Like that's, okay. and he's I don't know what you were doing. I mean, we state that you can remove the, subtract the salvage value of everything. So if it's a $50 million project, the reclamation, I mean, you can probably half that just in the salvage material. Well, that's one thing gets me back to my point until I, until, I mean, somebody should provide us with something. Yeah, I was shooting in the dark. It's, I find it always dubious when industry who takes subsidies complain that regulations are what makes the project unfeasible. Oh, that's a bunch of nonsense. And you know, but that's what they do. Yeah. Well, Everyone just, says the regulation is keeping us from doing it. Here's, but we took $4 billion in subsidies, i.e. Shell Oil. And so how you claim that something's keeping you from doing it while you're getting a handout that offsets the cost, I find that a dubious type of thing. Regulations exist because people screw each other over, not because we're trying to make it harder on business. Stan, but if, if the assertion is that this kind of a project that it would add a million dollars to the cost of the project. I mean, whether or not regulation caused that or whatever, it's, it's an actual cost yeah. to the sure. developer, uh, even if it's being offset by public dollars. And I, I do think we have a value judgment or a, a risk assessment to make here. Um, is it really worth it to us? And do we believe, I mean, I think that the bottom line is, do we believe that that requirement could inhibit or be a disincentive for a developer to put in uh, something that would be obviously good for the environment, potentially good for our tax base, potentially good for workforce. I mean, there's a lot of benefit there in, in how great of a risk it's kind of like playing out the what if. Totally. But they get a year into it, they go belly up. We don't have a bond to take it apart, that's the risk. Yeah. But, they... we, but then would we have act? I think actually Commissioner Redmond asked the most important question. If that happens, do we have the right to condemn the property, enter the property and take take over the asset? I'll put a lien. You might have the right to, to hire somebody else to finish it. In which case, the likelihood is that the asset that has been put into place outweighs the the, the value of the reclamation bond. It's back to my thing. I'd like to is say, it, I don't know. Is it feasible to split the reclamation bond and to basically say half of this bond has to be funded at the at time the of committing, and then at the time they're ready to go online and put out electricity, they must fully have bonded the project. And that, in effect, cuts them a little break at the beginning, which is mm -hmm. when they're whining and saying they need a little break. Um, and if it doesn't fly, at least we have some protection because we've asked for some portion of the bond up front. But then before they get to start making all this money hand over fist, they better fully fund that bond when they're ready to go. So that sounds is that like kind of an idea. I'm a little uncomfortable with this group making that kind of a judgment on the fly here. I mean, so, the other thought is mm -hmm. that, you know, the language that's being presented was researched by the project team. 
specifically Weld County, you know, was one of the models we looked at. And this is an industry standard, you know, to require the bond up front. Um, also knowing that we have a rolling adoption that um, we anticipate solar to be submitting sooner than later. And it's almost a test um, where if this really we're hearing is an issue, we have another opportunity to reevaluate when we adopt the regulations, you know, and tweak things that may or may not be working. Yeah, and I guess the other question I would have, uh, certainly in a special use permit, the planning commission or more likely the board of county commissioners does have the authority to amend or even potentially waive certain requirements or do we not i mean is this set in stone um typically <laughs> i think you if you decided at that point you'd want to amend the regulations and not do some okay. kind of waiver to a requirement. But I think you need to That's remember the scale of this. If you have seven or 800 acres torn to crap and like part installed, there's some significant costs to put. This isn't like a 40 acre gravel pit. This is exponentially larger, potentially. My only comment on this one, and I know Commissioner Corrigan and Red we're both in the construction industry, but I've yet to see to this day a contractor that couldn't figure out a way to go broke. <laughs> I don't We're know if that could be said any better. Yeah, and I don't know. It, well, doesn't mean they all go broke. It yeah. means yes. I'm living. I'm living that undream right now. Me well, personally. Satisfied, as you mentioned, a and if uh, now in, in the completion of these adoptions, there's really strong evidence presented by the by the, uh, the industry that mm. this is critically a problem, then if we have another opportunity to talk about it, that's great. I would certainly fault the the solar uh, folks that made this comment for not making a more robust and convincing case. Amen. And, and having said that. I'm I'm okay with keeping the regulation as you've written it. It almost acts like a screening element or a prerequisite. Like, do you really want a developer who's not financially solvent enough to that the million dollars is gonna break the whole project on a hundred million dollars? That to me is a warning that they're not in the best position. And you know, we only have to look to the mining industry or the plutonium industry, the Superfund sites that the people get put on the hook for cleaning up after they've made their money and disappeared. And so, again, I don't I don't buy that argument nearly so much, but I do recognize that it is a cost to their business that has to be quantified in their model to make it feasible or not. So is it the consensus of the group this evening at this point in time that maybe the language is provided is probably acceptable? You let it. Yes. Yeah, okay, fine. I mean, I, you know, like at a, at a current cost of hydro seeding, you could reclamate uh, you know, for a million dollars, you could reclamate something like 630,000 acres. <laughs> you know, it, it isn't our responsibility, Plus or minus. but I still would be interested. You mentioned Weld County. I'd be interested to know. Yeah. 
what the overall project estimated cost was and then what that bond represented as a piece of that. I think just to me, it's kind of hands-on. Well, here, here's an example. Yeah, I mean, we can certainly do that research and you know, we're going to be checking in with you throughout this entire process. Sure. And that's something we can always circle back to of how it's working, what we're hearing and providing that additional. Calculate cost of work. It would be based off of an engineer's. Yeah. It would be based off of an engineer's cost estimate. It's no different than the mining industry, I don't think. We have yeah. um, it's uh, not laid out that specifically. Yeah. yeah, so typically we rely on uh, the applicant's engineer cost estimate, and then we typically run it through Road and Bridge, and they confirm those costs or say, right, man, I wish we could get those prices. <laughs> yeah. You could probably outsource that. That's not unheard of. Well, I mean, water. Yeah. Section. Yeah. Yeah. Is that the way this is set up right now? Which I may be okay with. These are licensed engineers in the state of Colorado. That's the way that I think the language is written. That's the way it's written right now, I, I think, is that it's it's assumed that it's the applicant's engineer but that it's reviewed and accepted by Route County staff. And Route County staff could say, we think that that's low, go back, or you know, oh, we really? hired an outside expert. That's what and, I mean. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Is, is it based on today's dollars or the future? So it's based off of today's dollars, and then they're required to update it every five years. I'm going to keep going. <laughs> We're not done with solar as yet. Not. Solar. We still keep going. I've got a few, few additional um, slides. Um, we did want to highlight just the timing of the reclamation. And so the language uh, says that the decommissioning and reclamation needs to begin within 12 months after either one of three things has triggers have happened. The first is that the solar energy system equipment is removed the power is disconnected or the land lease ends. So when one of those things happens within one year of that, um, the decommissioning and reclamation needs to begin. And they have two years to complete that process. Um, again- Two years after they started or two years total? Two years at, total. At the time. Yeah. So um, this again is just trying to protect the county um, so that the reclamation process does not drag on for 10 years as an example. Um, Alan, did you wanna do the information on Road and Bridge? Yeah, oh, yeah. so I just wanted to, the way the, the, road, the language on the road engineering study is worded is that it follows Road and Bridge's procedures and except for maybe the two Tims, I don't know if Planning Commission knows what those procedures are. So I just wanted to, to bring that to y'all's attention. So in the case of solar, what they would do is they would provide the county with uh, their traffic counts, the type of vehicles, their access locations, the roads that they would use. 
And then Road and Bridge would create a scope of services that they would get then give to their on under contract engineer that the county has chosen. The that engineer would go and take that information of the types of vehicles, numbers, uh, all that information, and go and do a study of the road. They take core samples. They look at the how the road is built, the geometry, everything. And then they make recommendations on what type of improvements need to be made to that road in order to handle that amount of traffic. And then the permit or would not be issued until that though, until those improvements are made to the roads. And so um, it's, similar to the, it's the exact same process that's used for oil and gas. And so the way that, what that ensures is that the roads can handle the amount of traffic so that when they are doing the construction, the roads aren't getting torn to pieces and the public is having to deal with subpar roads during, during that season. And so that's it in a nutshell. Makes sense. Despite the the scaling of the the solar versus say a, a gravel pit, is it our contention that those things should be the process should be the same? Like I personally feel that if oil and gas gets hit with this regulation, that we should have that parity. But putting recognition to the fact that you're talking about the scale about these developments are sometimes much vaster and different than, than say, gravel is. But to me, I think it's important that industry faces the same regulations or at least the regulations are scalable to address the industry. Well, I, I think they are. And I think the only difference is, unless I misunderstand, the real activity is when the solar farm is being built. Once it's done. Yeah. But you can't, and, 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 and practically speaking, the impacts to a county road with the vehicles that are going to be delivering supplies for a solar farm are going to be significantly less than the impacts that the oil and gas has. Because a lot of those road improvements that were done for oil and gas wells were really significant. But that was because they were rolling vehicles up there that were, you know, 50, 80, 100 tons, basically you're going to be looking at delivery trucks. You know, you'll have some concrete trucks, but well, nothing like what an oil and gas well does. I mean, My suspicion the, is the requirements will be vastly less, even for a really big farm. I think the, the types of vehicles are going to be less, are going to weigh less, but I think there's going to be more, more of that frequent. because you're having to truck in all of the steel for all of the racking, then all of the panels, and then all of that associated equipment. So compared to an oil, and I don't, this is just my speculation. I don't know if this is true or sure. not, but my speculation is it's going to be less, it's going to be lighter vehicles, but more of them. But a shorter period of time. Well, it's a one-time event, because once the panel, once the farm is up and running, aren't you done? Oh, yeah. That's my point. Yes. As opposed to the mining industry, which goes on all the time, or as opposed to oil and gas, every time you drain those tanks or you pop out, you get another rig coming down the highway. So that's ongoing as opposed to 
in the solar industry in my head anyway, mm -hmm. it'd be kind of a one-time event. Mm -hmm. Well, I would agree with Andy. I think it's pretty straightforward. We would impose the same thing on any large scale industrial uh, installation in the county. Uh, and, and we are, I think, the, a model around the state for how we've handled that because most other counties assess some kind of a fee and hope it's enough money to fix the roads after they've been destroyed. And Route <laughs> County has a system. We upgrade the roads to make sure that they don't get destroyed and it gets taken care of in advance. And even as much as I would like to promote solar installations, I don't want to be the one to answer to the constituents why we let their road get destroyed. Yeah. Well, I think 20 mile is a great example of how that worked to be beneficial. It's one of the best roads in the county uh, as far as quality and how, how it holds up. Yeah. And I will tell you from City on the Dola Energy Impact Board, one of the biggest requests we get is from counties asking to, for funds to rebuild their road after they've seen that type of traffic on. Absolutely. Sounds like wow. we're all good with that. All right. Great. Um, we did have four areas of suggested red lines that we wanted to highlight for you um, and get your feedback on um, to potentially be incorporated into your um, motion. Um, the first is on the site design section. We'd like to add language um, that just states that to the greatest extent practical um, that the uh, solar energy facilities are gonna be designed to avoid lands with environmental hazards. We've got lots of sections within the solar regulations about how to address these types of, of things, but we wanted to make sure that it was really clear in the site design. We actually want you to try to avoid um, areas with environmental hazards. Define an environmental hazard. So that might be um, areas uh, prone to flooding. Um, it might be um, areas in uh, mud, mud flow or rock fall or avalanche. Unstable slopes. We do. Yeah. Yep. Um, so it's, it, yeah, well, we just wanted to make sure that that was identified in the site design section as well. So that's really thought of during the design process. Um, the second uh, change is in the ground cover and vegetation um, preservation and management section. Um, and one of the, the comments that we've, that we've received is, um, well, you know, your, your vegetation might have changed, right? Maybe, maybe the pre-vegetation condition is, is not actually what you want to return it to, that you want to, you know, make sure that it's returning to maybe something that was before the current condition. And so um, identifying, kind of documenting the vegetative tubber, uh, cover types and assessing um, whether disturbance has been minimized. So um, again, just trying to do the best we can when we're doing a, a reclamation and, and uh, vegetation preservation. How does that work with the, the agricultural producer whose strategy for what is there and what needs to be there might be different than what we have in mind? So that would be in the the like the revegetation section, and there's uh, there's a standard that says that it shall be revegetated re with materials that are conducive to the proposed land use. So if it is going to be <laughs> sheep grazing, 
is most appropriate to reseed with vegetation that is appropriate for for sheep grazing. Excellent. I just want to make sure there's that flexibility for the 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 landowner who is the fundamental user to be able to have that say in how that process occurs. Context of reclamation. After the solar array is operational. Uh, so the ground cover, like the what we're talking about right here, is what shows the exist what exists right now. And then the the reclamation plan, and I, I can't remember exactly how it's worded because there's there's two sets of reclamation. There's reclamation after construction, during production, and then there's reclamation once everything is done. So those are those are addressed. Both of those time frames are addressed. And yeah, so so this change is specific to subsection eleven, which is about the um, the ground cover kind of during operation. So 11.A um, is that applicants shall maximize the preservation of pre-construction vegetation. If the pre-construction vegetation is maybe not, not ideal, that's why this additional language is added so that we can really make sure that we're doing the right type of vegetation related to the ground cover. It was a bunch of thistle, and we're not going to require you to put thistle back. <laughs> exactly. Gotcha. Uh, uh, that that's a clearer way to say that. <laughs> um, third proposed change is related to the erosion and sediment control section. Um, we just wanted to very uh, clearly add in in the language here that the erosion and sediment control plan is required, and it needs to identify meet the the requirements listed. Um, and then a specific comment that we received from CPW um, after the packet was released that we wanted to include is related to topsoil stockpiles. If you just um, group all your topsoil into one large mound, it actually degrades the quality of that topsoil. And so this language is intended to really make sure that when you're retaining the topsoil on, on site, that it can be reused and it stays at, at high quality. So it says the stockpile should be no more than 1.5 meters in height and, and um, designed as individual rows rather than the one, one large pile. And then the fourth change um, is on stormwater and water quality. Um, again, very specifically saying that the stormwater and water quality plan addressing the requirements in the code section is required. So those are the four additional changes that we would propose um, separate from the code language, uh, we'll be making uh, edits to the checklist. So there's a, a, a checklist that was included in your packet, um, just as information. That is not a codified document, that's an administrative document, but that would also be updated as part of the process. I probably want to put the bond language in checklist. Yep. Not the language so much, yeah. but there's no box for bond in it. Yeah. <laughs> Yep, so all, all of those new requirements would be added to the checklist. So, so, so the, the 1.5 meter height and the stockpile topsoil degradation, is that on a six month period, a two year period, a five year period? What is the periodicity of that reduction in quality of topsoil? Because 1.5 meter height piles that stretch for 20 acres is in an inefficient way of stockpiling topsoil. And so you're going to lose a lot of topsoil. It, it's just, a, it's just, I understand what, what CPW is trying to, and I want to support that, but how does that 
that science work. I could see if it's stockpiled for a long time, how it could de maybe degrade the quality, but if it's in a short duration, is it, is it um, onerous to, uh, to the construction process? Because the efficiency of a pile is obviously that it's in one location and it can be distributed. I, so I don't know the, the scientific reasoning behind that. Um, I would, so the less you have to move the soil, the better. And so if you've got this one long row of panels and you have to scrape the topsoil, you're going to scrape it to the end. You're probably just going to leave it there. You're not going to want to like move it to create one large big pile, I, I would imagine. So I don't, I don't see this as being that onerous because they want to, I think they want to maintain as much topsoil sure. where it is. And I would see that being pretty minimal. The benefit of this process is that the topsoil removal requirement is far less because you're, you're centralizing your peers yeah. versus trying to strip. Mm -hmm. um, it just, again, I don't want to get into telling a company how it's best to move their stuff around the site. That's not my expertise. And I want to support CPW and what they're asking for. So I just, the 1.5, a five foot high pile, sure. But if it was to stretch on for super long distances, I see that as being inefficient. So just consideration. I don't know that it necessarily needs any adjustment. And that's it. I'm done. <laughs> any, any questions, questions. clarifications? Uh, I'm going to solicit any comments from the public. Hearing and seeing none, we'll move right on to land use code. Motions. Oh, <laughs> 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 had a great conversation. A lot of <clears throat> Am I missing something, or are we going to later on talk about the workforce housing plan? And wildlife, we or, can um, we can go to those um, sections and and dig into those. Yeah, so what that, would you like? Yeah, I think, I think the workforce housing one is some kind of discussion. So it's a pretty simple statement there. Okay, uh, it's prescriptive. It just says, "Hey, tell us what your plan is." Mm -hmm. As long as that's. Included with, say, a large subdivision that could end up on the west side of Steamboat. It, it, like, I think it's not just in the utility that that language possibly should appear. It, should, it might start need to pop up in other areas. But this is, but this this is language spe specific to solar. We will be talking about mm -hmm. um, temporary workforce housing in a greater context. Cool. Um, but we really Actually, in module two, we're going to be talking about that, and into module three. Um, but this language is just specific to solar and what we would require for solar. And I, I don't have a problem with it. I mean, it's completely toothless. Show us the plan. <clears throat> Our plan is to, to tell the guys to go find a motel room. <laughs> There's the plan. What are you going to do about it? So yeah, camp in Yampa State Park. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, it would be. But what else? It's same, yeah, it's <laughs> same thing as we were talking about, like road impacts. Why would we 
uh, require something different of these guys than we would of anybody else. We don't require anybody else to do anything special for housing, do we? We not at this point, but I think we there could be. be appetite for moving in that direction. That will be on everybody, not yeah. just on solar. Not just on solar. That's right. my only comment on this particular thing is that I hope to see it get applied to other forms of development and not just be focused on the the one. Yeah, I think it's important to include it. Um, I it is like you said, it's somewhat toothless, like our our screen. We ask that you screen it, but we don't have anything to say what constitutes screening. Uh, is that really true, though? If you didn't like the workforce plan, couldn't you just halt the permit? Whoa, 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 whoa. No, we're not done yet. This is, um, when you write code, there's a mix of subjective language and very prescriptive language. Correct. This is on the looser side, and it gives you discretion as a review body to say, Saying that they're going to go camp is insufficient. Yeah. Go back and give us a real plan. Yeah, that's what I, mean. I would describe It's not. I think we have the right to fix it. Yeah, but they can argue that if well, you they're going to be arguing. Yeah, they're going to be arguing for a while. Other, you know, like yeah. it was applied to us in this fashion, but they got to do something else. Again, it's always how do we make it so it's a an even process for everyone as they go through. I would think that we would evenly apply this language to all of the contractors that are interesting in developing a solar farm for us. Wouldn't you? I would hope so. Or we would think about that's different. This is solar. I'm expanding it beyond solar. the other industries, but at the same time, making sure that it's that we focus within this one. Right. No, I think your point, as Chris has said, I think we're getting into that in other modules. Mm -hmm. And realistically, another module could be even more um, strict and require more standards in the solar industry. The argument can always be you're getting off easy. Well, you, you add it like workforce housing requirement that constitute that X percentage of the workforce be housed in this fashion. Now that's something that you can measure against, right? Whether it's feasible to come up with these different standards is, is a harder thing and something that can evolve as this moves on. But how do you, how do you give the developers something to work towards instead of just coming to us and then allowing it on a personal judgment basis. My sense is that staff is quite good in explaining to the petitioner what they think is going to fly in this. Staff is an amazing guide to our local petitioners. Without a doubt, they're the ones that get them through the process. Yes. But, but, but there's nothing, there's no matrix that says X totally percentage, agree. just like our screening. Totally agree. Three trees constitute screening, 15 trees, 10, okay. one. But this is a start, at least with the documentation. Sure. In the future, it will be able to be prescriptive. But, but the reality is, developing no regulations, fast track, really accepted applications. So you could very well be faced with a situation where we're issuing a large scale solar without any real workforce housing requirements. But man, after that, we're going to get everybody in the future because we're not going to be able to go back retroactively right. and say we have new regulations you need to comply with. They just need to comply with this. But they're going to have to meet with staff on a pre-submission. And where, you know, the companies we have already met with, we have 
highlighted areas that they really need to focus on, this being one of them. And if they said they're just going to put people up in a hotel, you can bet we're going to be like, this is not sufficient, you know, um, and we're going to ask for more information, you know, before we deem the application complete and move it forward. Can I offer a one word edit addition? That, I know, know you love to wordsmith. Give it to us. A realistic plan. <laughs> okay. Attainable. According to. <laughs> well, that asterisk. That was kind to. of my point is, is that when there's no standard that staff makes a, a recommendation or decision on, the next applicant comes through and they get a different recommendation it's that thing where why did they get the special treatment and we didn't staff favored them. And, and I know that doesn't go on because you guys do your best to treat everyone equally, but just removing the appearance of impropriety, I think is more important, you know, than so that you guys don't face the, Oh, your favorite tie. You want these guys. What do you get in kickbacks? How many kickbacks did you get Alan to give them what they wanted? And cause you hear that crap in the community <laughs> with things already. Something like this is going to bring out more crazies. Well, yes. The county commission, you totally get, you and Tim get kickbacks all the time. It does give us some opportunity to make some judgments about the plan that they bring forward. And ultimately, it's not staff making the decision. Yeah. planning commission and county commissioners so we've all got to agree that hey we think this plan's better. and on the flip side it allows creative solutions to come from industry which we might be blind to so again i can see both sides of how you can benefit from it okay and then what about wildlife actually i think you guys did it i think this is a i just wanted to talk about it because i i have thought for some time that this is really where the rubber is going to meet the road here in the community. This is going to be the flashpoint if we're looking at a, say, a 3,000 acre array. There is no question that there will be negative impacts on wildlife. I don't care how they, I don't care what they do. It's good. There's going to be negatives. Does staff believe, and, and Jessica and your group, do you guys believe that this still retains some flexibility? for planning commission and the board of county commissioners to make some value judgments that uh, could end up, I mean, we are gonna, end, let's face it, we're gonna have negative impacts on wildlife. And, if, and I hope these regulations are not written in a way where uh, CPW has veto power. CPW does not have veto power over uh, things that we do now. We're asking for them to work with CPW to develop plans, but does this fall under the same heading? It comes back to planning commission yes. and county board of county commissioners to make a value judgment. Yes, absolutely. The, adequacy the, the language references CPW, but it is in that vein of you need to work with CPW. They're going to help you identify critical wildlife habitats, for instance. Um, they'll help you understand how to do the survey um, pre and post development, but. No, the decision is with Planning Commission and the Board of County Commissioners. I mean, I think that post-development language is huge. Yeah. I mean, that really tells you what's working and what isn't. Right. Because uh, you'll have a chance you'll to have see the impacts. Yeah. Right. So, and, and the problem is a post-development survey may identify 
real problems. What are you going to do about it? Tell them to tear it down. I'm going to go back to CPW to fix it. <laughs> you signed on to this. And, and remember, think- we worked very closely with CPW in developing these regulations. So they were very involved. They were actually very pleased with the draft. And um, I think one of their main sticking points had to do with the, the fencing for, um, right. for screening. Uh, which was part of the basis of the decision to um, to not require the fencing because that was definitely something, uh, a heartburn for CPW. Um, and then when we met with our technical working group today and we were, you know, going over the, uh, the final code language, um, you know, we got comments back that they thought the wildlife section in particular was pretty strong and, and very well done. Sounds good right now. Wait till wait till the public hearings. Can't wait. It's your favorite part. I, you know, I don't know what we can do about it, right? Yes, what we have to do before it comes in. Yeah, I would say that if you find out that you had some impacts on elk or whatever it is, you take that as a learning experience and apply it to the next one because the, the data is just not out there to say this is the best management practice because it's such a new industry. And so there's going to be some trial and error before you figure out what, what's the best way to do it. And, and I know we don't like to be the, the guinea pig, but... Um, yeah, simple as that. You have to keep in mind that these regulations are for an application that could be proposed anywhere in the county, right? So when we actually get an application, we're sending a, refer- a referral for a site-specific location where you're going to get specific feedback on the wildlife issues for that area. Um, so keep that in mind also that this isn't... Um, a one size fits all. It's just, you know, having the bookends and the standards to evaluate an application, but we're going to dive in deeper when we actually get an application and site specific to evaluate the offsite impacts. Yeah. Well, I, I wanted to have this conversation making the changes. We're just alerting all of us. We've got some challenges in front of us when this actually comes to pass. Of course. I think I think it's as good as it could have been read a long time. So that in six months. <laughs> so any of the comments on the solar Um, You opened it up for public I comments. thought I did. I think I did. Yeah. Um, How about nobody online okay. has any comments. Okay. So hearing none and moving on. Closing the public portion of that. Land use code bond requirements. Am I done with this? Are we done with this? Uh, we have up there for oh, you. If, I, don't, I believe you kind of ah. have round tables. So I don't know if there's any other so comments. One, yeah, okay, one more time. Any, no, other, no more questions or staff or anybody. We're done with that. And then for you all, we put up um, the recommended motion, which will encompass the proposed changes that were not included in your packet that we identified here tonight. So um, we're recommending that you include as written um, in the motion. And so there's one motion by planning commission because it is a recommendation to the board of county commissioners. And then there'll be two motions for the board of county commissioners um, 
one to approve if that's what you choose to do. And then the other is to authorize the chair um, to sign the resolution um, at which we are gonna work with um, legal on and then bring that before you all for signature if you all decide to move forward with this. So at this point in time, Chair will recognize or appreciate our motion and might be forthcoming. Just sure. one quick question slash comment. I'm okay with what we're doing here. Um, I guess I would have been more okay if we had had a, a session with the Planning Commission, made their approval and forwarded that recommendation to the County Commissioners to approve at a separate meeting. But I mean, is it? I mean, this is a different thing. Us can be done. all one yeah. night together. So I just like it's, to hear some. Right. I mean, part of that is um, to be more efficient and to move this along, as you know. Um, you know, that was part of the rolling adoption. Moving forward, we can certainly look to have certain meet, uh, separate meetings, um, you know, for the adoption phase. Um, At the final adoption, wouldn't that yeah. more than likely be the process Correct. anyway? And that's what okay. we talked about um, okay. at the last joint meeting. I think the consensus was um, joint uh, work sessions and adoptions for the module one and module two, and then we would do separate later on. But that we can pivot at any time. And if you want to do it differently, I wondered if it was maybe not necessary, but in the language of the motion for the planning commission to acknowledge that this is a rolling adoption and that there that this will be coming back again for a final adoption. It has reflected the conversation, perfect. Uh, Mr. Chair, I would move to recommend approval of the adoption of module one of the new unified development code as presented on September 14th, 2023. The sections in module one include the introduction agencies and um, improvements to solar. Okay, so we have a motion and a second. Any discussion on the motion? Hearing none, all those in favor of the motion is presented, signify by saying yes. Yes. Both say no. For the record, second is that. Oh, uh, Brian. Brian, thank you. Uh, Mr. Chair, I move to approve the adoption of module one of the new unified development code as presented tonight. Including the sections in module in the sections of module one include the introduction, agencies, and solar. Second, we have a motion and a second. Might there be discussion on the motion? He, you know, that's he, that's his. Are you chair? Yeah. Yes. Sorry. <laughs> there you should. Uh, yeah. It, it Welcome to roll next. There is a motion. There is a motion and a second on the floor. Any further discussion? Hearing none. All those in favor. Aye. Motion passes. Uh, Mr. Chair, I move to authorize your signature on the resolution adopting module one of the Unified Development Code. Second. We have a motion and a second on the floor. Is there any further discussion? Yes, Mr. Chair. I just want to uh, acknowledge at this time the work of planning staff, of our consultant, and, and, and just also to make a, a, a little bit of a commentary about the functioning a planning commission. Uh, I think you guys, a uh, planning commission, are, are doing a really great job. And when I think back and 
times past when I was very critical of the work of the Planning Commission. Uh, I'm just, it, it makes our job as commissioners so much easier because of the good work you do. Thank you, Mr. Chair. Thank you. All right. All those in favor? Aye. Aye. Motion passes. Thank you. Thank you. Um, are you able to hang on for five-ish, maybe 10 minutes, minutes longer yeah. to cover module two? Five-ish. Five -ish. <laughs> I'm going to take it. I'm going to pass it to Riley. Thank you, Jessica. Um, I will keep this short and sweet, but we wanted to at least take the opportunity tonight to introduce you to the um, topic areas that are included within our initial drafting for module two, which includes procedures, development standards specific to environmentally sensitive areas, updates to land uses, zone districts, and PUD. So similarly to our module one engagement, we've really been focused on kind of a comprehensive uh, approach. So we've updated the Navigate Your Route website to include new information on module two, a new survey that's now public um, for the community, in addition to kicking off our community-facing meetings. So we started yesterday with a community workshop and continued this morning with a staff code workshop as well um, as a discussion with our technical working group. So in this trip um, for module two, we've actually broken out our technical working group meetings into two segments, one focused on environmentally, environmentally sensitive areas and the second on land use, which will occur tomorrow. Um, but we wanted to provide you with just some really high level findings of what we've been hearing so far. And to set this up, as you saw in the pictures from the previous slide, um, we had a series of posters that were topically based and we asked participants at the community workshop to indicate their level of support. So they could do a green dot for fully support of the idea or initial policy direction, yellow for support with conditions or additional information, or a red dot for not fully supportive. So we focused really on kind of four primary categories looking at land use and zone districts to start. Um, and we asked participants to um, share their feelings around reducing barriers for uh, workforce housing, um, supporting potentially an increase to secondary dwelling unit size, um, implementing a housing cap size. Um, and of those who answered that question, we also asked them what their level of support was um, for different kind of numbers within that, um, or potentially introducing a sliding scale. Um, for zone districts, we are interested in consolidating zone districts, um, potentially to um, kind of merge either redundant or uh, unused zone districts currently within the code. Um, we're also looking to um, introduce potential for additional housing and commercial uses in tier two and tier three locations. Um, and not only that, but going a step further and in introducing um, housing typologies that would be new to the community to address some of that housing demand for the workforce. So for PUDs, we asked uh, a series of questions related to master plan goals around um, support for a public benefit of land dedication or alternatively allowing trails um, as an option for meeting that requirement. Uh, we also asked about um, 
kind of a series of questions around the master plan goal, specifically about wildlife connectivity um, and making sure that there's adequate infrastructure in PUDs going forward. And for environmentally sensitive areas, uh, we wanted to assess participants' um, feelings on prohibiting development um, in certain kind of higher risk areas, um, in addition to requiring an envir environmental impact report, um, creating exemption processes, and also introducing restoration plans as well. We got a lot of feedback from our environmental group uh, technical working group discussion this morning. And we wanted to share some of the highlights with you. Um, there's a lot of code language that will be introduced in module two relative to these development standards. Um, but I think perhaps some of the um, kind of key findings that came out of the discussion today um, were pertinent to incorporating fluvial hazard areas within floodplain regulations and water body setbacks. Uh, which I think um, speaks to some of the conversation that we heard here tonight. Um, integrating wildlife regulations from the solar um, section more broadly across the code and potentially expanding skyline regulations to apply countywide and exploring limitations and or requirements for berming. Any questions? This, this is a lot. Yeah. Um, as Riley said, we, we really kind of got into the details with the working group today. And um, I think that the last two bullet points on the right, expanding skyline to apply countywide. So right now there's a map um, that is a number of years old. Um, but there was a comment of, you know, maybe it's time to just apply those, those same regulations they're working, but apply them countywide. And then there was a, a a pretty robust conversation about berms, which I know we've, we've talked about. I, I, I know others here are interested in, um, but potentially um, providing some limitations or requirements related to, to berming. So th those were some interesting comments today. Yes. Yeah. Any uh, commentary on Connex boxes? <laughs> Not yet, <laughs> but, <laughs> but it's, it's, it's highlighted on the list, but we're going to be... Um, that's something it wasn't explicitly discussed this morning, but it's on the list. Don't you worry. <laughs> are, are we going to be grandfathered in? What's that? Are we going to be grandfathered in? Do you have a context? Yes. <laughs> I read far. You you guys can duke it out. <laughs> um, so that interesting. So. so <laughs> Is the PUD process being eliminated? No. 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 Is it a goal of eliminating it in the future? Mm -hmm. no. Well, again, I, I was talking last time we met about uh, how I appreciate the PUD, and Sarah actually had a, you know, a comment of how that the PUD is actually like the best example of a spot zone. And how we try to avoid that. And I've been just in thinking about that comment. It was a good comment. And so I've always thought that they were a really strong asset. But the, the direction that you guys are kind of moving in, I feel like the PUD almost ends up being like a last resort or maybe it's being phased out of the process. It just was a general question. Just, we as, you know, um, as a county as a whole, 
um, because of our strong master plan, we haven't seen a lot of development out in the county. A PUD was like the easy fix on how to process some applications. It's still a good planning tool to always have in your regulations, um, but part of evaluating the zones districts and creating some new ones and cleaning that up, the intent would be to reduce the need to use a PUD in the future. Cool. I mean, I, I, I think I like that direction as long as it sticks around. Because mm -hmm. I do think there'll be times when it will be valuable. With significant public benefits. Yeah. Yes. That's the key in the PUDs. Absolutely. We yeah. I, I just can't say we've seen many PUDs. Like I I we, we have really several. Yeah. The yes. the problem is we have a lot of old PUDs that yeah. we're not done with thoughts of future in mind. Um, I think we have old ones, but I'm just thinking about PUD applications that yeah. I've seen and they are extremely limited. The number that we've seen in the last 10 years. We less try than not to, you know, move forward with PUDs, um, but they're there. Like when I was looking at purchasing a business that had a PUD, I was like, psyched. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was the it greatest thing. And, and it is, it's truly site specific. Again, why Sarah's comment kind of struck home with me and I just I do see the benefit in it I I just felt like maybe there was some movement going away from it so I'm happy with that and then the I saw something about LPSs mm -hmm. up there yep versus 35s and I think anything you can you know there used to be you know several carrots you know um specifically um the bonus density uh, that you get uh, for additional lots, but then um, specifically, which isn't the carrot anymore, is that secondary dwelling unit allowance, where now we allow secondary dwelling units countywide, provided you have water and sewer or minimum five acres, right? So we're looking at some ways that we could um, uh, incentivize the LPS and um, We'll get into that more, but we do have some uh, some good ideas, I think. How do we, and I don't know if there's any linkage that's even possible at this level, but how do you, like in my mind, an LPS, one of the benefits of it is, is that it preserves large swaths of what is typically agricultural land so that it can stay in production versus a 35 acre, which would fragment it up and make it not as a cohesive you know, can it be linked to the tax status <laughs> and how do you, as an incentive, because I, there's got to be something we can do, Tim. Let's work with the legislature on that. All right. You don't, don't think there's anything we can do? Because like driving around today and thinking about this meeting and like looking at all of these pieces of land, again, many of them are my customers and I appreciate, but how much agricultural land has gone fallow now and is in, isn't even in what I would call production. Our golf course out there is, is a uh -oh. classic uh -oh. example. <laughs> uh -oh. Well, no, but it's just a classic example of where the land isn't being utilized as it was presented to us. And that, like, we're just saying that the open space is valuable and not necessarily that it's agricultural. So I'm with you 100%. Man. 
I just don't think we can deal with them locally. And if you'd like to work with me at the state legislature to sure. have a conversation about how to do sure. that. So his hair can look like I'm I'm happy to go to battle on this because I think it's what what's right. happened here is that it it's what we're trying to do is a good thing, but it's being abused. And not only is it being abused, but the land is is suffering from it at the same time. And our small scale producers are really having challenges out Getting there. Landlocked. Yep. The landlocked is in having to travel to get to your different spots is so inefficient. And I just, I, I'd like to see something change in that, but if we don't have the power, then I appreciate that. Okay. Okay. <laughs> so last, uh, we just want to go over the Thank next you. steps. Yep. Which we, we covered at, at the front end. Yeah. Um, expect to see us in four to six weeks yep. uh, for a work session to cover some of the topics in module two. Thanksgiving. Is that really? I'd say it's six. Yeah. And I'm really throw me a bone that you managed to put together module two as quickly as you did considering a lot of the input was. That's morning. Right. Yeah, well, thank you. We've been at it all day. Professional. David. But then again, that's why you As opposed to the planning commission. <laughs> um, so just as a um, very quick administrator's uh, report mm -hmm. uh, for planning commission, we have a meeting scheduled for next Thursday. Um, so you were notified of that today. Nope. Steve, you're not going to be here. Brian. Brian's going to be here. I will be here. I'm leaving town the next day, but I will be here. Then. You will be here. Okay. Well, then there you go. Perfect. Life is and good. What, how many items on the agenda or what are we looking at? Just There is one item on the agenda and that is, um, consideration to revoke a special use permit for D D. That's uh and that's a consent item? No. no. Oh no. Wow. That okay. was a mistake. Okay. Yeah. There needs to be discussion. They operate on a special so, so signing up to go to yes. the Yampa River Festival at Snowball that night probably isn't a good idea. Well, sure, just go afterwards. Sure. <laughs> or before. I don't know how long they're going to be going, but it sounds like we could be. <laughs> so that's the process of application. It comes back through. It goes back through the same process. It came through. So it'll be presented and discussed with Planning Commission, and they'll make a recommendation to the Board of County Commissioners. A very rare event. Again, in my time, I've I have, I can't remember I've seen the last one was our first revocation meeting I believe there could have been one other yeah it's been a minute thunderstruck well that was the one <laughs> that was uh, the one was the one before it <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then um so then you just we had some other applications in the pipe and we do have something scheduled oh. for October fifth. As of right now, they're all consent agenda items. 
Uh, we've been having a lot of uh, consolidations and removal of building envelopes and, and those kinds of applications. Um, so those are going to be scheduled for October 5th. And um, if it remains that they're all on consent and we don't get another application in from now to then, uh, we may move it to a Zoom platform. So we won't have to have you guys um, drive in for those consents. Don't be on the hook for food is what you're saying. <laughs> <laughs> that part doesn't matter to me. <laughs> um, but uh, yes, yeah, so we will keep you all informed of where we're at uh, with the applications. Can I ask you guys, what do you think of this setup? The new dies. They need to be bigger. What's that? Those screens, well, no, or this gets all pushed over. A little too far. I caught you. Well, I think I that one, have, I caught that. that. Too. Yeah. This, this one works great for the audience. Yeah. These are okay, but sitting at the head, you're kind of in a weird spot. Well, I said either that or just move this entire entourage forward. Are we recommending that? We're done. Yeah, we're done. We're done. Okay. I love the paint schemes. Paint bulbs are really cool. Somebody's thinking. <laughs> Jennifer. That's Jennifer. She